I went to see Black Panther mm-hmm. with Nazir, and he brought up a really interesting point. Nazir is black. He's from New York, Long Island. He's going to be embarrassed by that. And he said, yeah, I feel like Black Panther represents me, but it also doesn't really represent me. And so I thought that was a really interesting idea for a podcast mm-hmm. topic. Yeah, and so today what we are discussing is two people from the similar background if you see them physically, but then when you bring them together, there's so many so much differences. And so we want to talk about these things that bring them together and like also make them different. So today we won't be talking as much as we usually do. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. But we will be listening. And I think that you guys might find this exciting because this is something super important to a lot of people. And we're happy to be listeners and stick this one out. Yes, and we're telling different stories to different people and it's not just about us. So keep listening and you'll have some very interesting opinions that come out of this. And I hope you like it. This is Nicole. This is Hanali. And this is 12 Ounces. The podcast. Okay, so today, because we're being good listeners for once, we have two special guests. Yes. We have Karoma, yes. which is what we know him by. Yes. <laughs> Nazir. My name is Nazir. <laughs> named My- after... Yeah, named after the rapper Nas. Uh, my last name's very common, so people would just call me Jones. It would get really confusing. So, yeah, that's why people call me by my first name. So. And it was a big thing because I'm one of the only people that call him Nazir originally, and wow. everyone always calls him Nas. But now, because he knows all of my friends, yeah. there's this whole network and network that gets yeah. bigger and bigger. I know, I Of people that call him Nazir. I also think that I call you, like I pronounce your name wrong, but like I don't know. How do you say Nazir? Nazir? No, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. fine. I feel like I emphasize on like the S's too much. Yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah, I, I have teachers who call me Nasser. Nasser? Like every day, and I'm always like Nazir, and they're just like, all right, cool. And the next day they come in, they're like, Hey, Nasser. Nasser. See, we're getting nowhere. Okay, Karoma. Yes. Let's start with you. Okay. Tell us about yourself. So Everything that's ever happened in your life. <laughs> I think we will need like a whole movie or something for that. That's a long story. Well, but um, I'm Karoma, and uh, I was born here in the U.S., so usually when I tell people ask me where you from, I said I'm from Guinea, mm-hmm. but they think I was born and raised there. No, but I was born here in uh, in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And but when I was when I was a baby, my mom took me back to Guinea uh, when right. I was like six months old. Wow. Um, so I really didn't get exposed much to the American culture at that age. Um, I went to Guinea. I grew up there, but I would come here like on vacations and right. stuff like that. Um, but. So like I well in sixth grade I came here for um, one year a year and a half so I did my sixth grade here so that's kind of how I got to learn more English uh, that's what that was my first ex um, that's that was the first time I was got really exposed to the American culture in a sense like in in a way of living um, so after that I went back to Guinea finished high school and then I came back here permanently five years ago when I started college so yeah. So that has been my journey of like 
in between the US and Guinea, which is kind of interesting journey because those two places couldn't be any more opposite from each other. <laughs> yeah. They are so different in so many ways, like the culture, like the way people think, what people value, when it comes to money, economy, how people spend their time, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like a very, very different, um, like even the thought process is, is ex extremely different. So, um, Cool. And so now, can you describe your culture or like your background? So where are you from? Yeah, I mean, so I was born and raised in America, uh, Long Island, New York. Uh. Um, yeah, so growing up, up until fourth grade, I went to a predominantly black elementary school. And then from fifth grade on, I went to a very, like a predominantly white school, which showed me like how black I was. Where we yeah. met. Yeah. Oh. Were you met in fifth grade? No. no. <laughs> no, no, no. In high school. Yeah, oh, we in met, high school. We met in tenth grade, yeah. She was very misleading with that. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I see, okay, cool, nice. But yeah, so, um, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize like there was such a big difference between black people and other people in America up until fifth grade. Right. And, yeah, most of my time living here was spent trying to understand that and fit in at the same time. So yeah. So what was the main difference? Like, what would you have to do as a person to fit in with these people at the predominantly white school? I mean, it's everything. Speaking, the way I dress, my hair. Yeah. The things I did for fun. Yeah. So, you just recently started growing out your hair. Is it because you're so far removed from high school now? Yeah, now I can be me, and I saw Jay-Z do it, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's a great reference. <laughs> so, um, Karoma, when you said you basically studied throughout like, you know, all the schools in Guinea, yeah. did you feel the difference between the educational system when you no, came no. here for 6th grade or like oh yeah or I mean also <laughs> in college you know when you were oh, studying yeah. here because the education system in in Guinea which is the case in most of West Africa is that like it's structured in a way that it's not very well it's not very well calibrated like for example like when you like the, the, they try to teach you everything in such a short period of time mm -hmm. so I can see a positive in that because there's a tendency, like even from statistics, like people who studied in like in those kind of environment where they come to the United States tend to perform better, better. because like, for example, we don't have multiple questions. Yeah. Like yes. we have to answer every yeah, exactly. single question. Yeah, exactly. It's all open-ended. For me, it was mind-blowing. I'm like, okay, but I can just use common sense yeah, exactly. and have like and have one chance out of what five, five. or four yeah. to yeah. get it right. But there. Yeah, we don't yeah, have listen, that option. Like in India, we had to answer each one of them in depth. So like three paragraphs for one question. Yes. Yeah, everything, everything. Uh, yeah. Even if it was math class, you would have to get the answer, explain yes. how you got the answer. Yes. I know, yes. yes. And it's crazy yes. that Nadir is the only person that's looking at us in shock right now. <laughs> yes. Because everyone outside of America does this. Mm. When I came to high school, I was like so smart. Yeah. Oh, I'd have dropped that. Oh my god, same. Like I was okay student. India, but when I came here, I was like, I know this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, These kids yeah. Are. <laughs> yeah, because it's much easier to just choose from a, a list of options <laughs> than if you have to like think about a complex topic and, and then have to yeah. write everything from scratch. Yep. So it's like you know. And just focus on physically writing. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I think in that sense, it kind of expands your mind mm -hmm. in the sense that like you feel more challenged because you really don't have options at that point. 
yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a more of a challenging school environment than, uh, than the American school system is. But on the flip side, the, what I think, what I find interesting is that the American system is more catered. Like it can be more like, because it could be like more saying that, okay, I'm using my, my time or my energy in a more efficient way. So I, I feel that it's more efficient in the U.S. way than, than the other ones. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. debatable. I mean, also, but if we're talking about different school systems, so like when you said you were in a prominently black neighborhood in like for elementary school and then you shifted to a white neighborhood school, like what, was there a difference? Yeah. So I, one of the first things I noticed is we learned a lot, oh yeah, I'm sorry. We learned a lot less about black history as a whole once I moved to the yeah. predominantly white school. But things were definitely better, like such as the things we were offered, um, extra help and things of that nature. The teachers even would do more, it seemed, or just had the ability to do more because of the things that they had in those schools. Yeah. We had band. <laughs> and I, we didn't have that. Just, it was really weird because <clears throat> kids, kids were, were like playing instruments, and they asked me if I could, and I, I was like, no. where would I have learned that? <laughs> exactly. I didn't. Yeah, it was just completely foreign to me. So yeah, there were just yeah, there was way more opportunities once I got to the white school. And what's interesting is that this school that you would have probably been in oh, if you had gone to high school and continued to go to high school in this neighborhood huh. is. Like what? Like two miles away from the the predominantly white school. Oh wow. oh wow! Yeah, no, they're not far from each other at all. And so, wow. in that tiny shift, the neighborhood completely changes, and the resources that the kids have yeah, they're much better. Completely changes, and so his parents always talk about this, mm -hmm. like they did that for a reason. Wow. Yeah, like kids I went to high school with, I could have went to their elementary school. I could have walked to their elementary school from my elementary school in less than 20 minutes. Wow, that's crazy. Even me, like, com relating to that, was like, when I came here in sixth grade, it was like, what is all of these classes? Like, they have music, they have, like, um, art classes, they have bands, theater. I'm like, what is this? We just go to school and we learn our classes, yeah. math, geography, yep. and that's it. Geography, I mean, that's something we learn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something they left out here. Oh my god, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was very different. No, it's true. Americans don't know geography. They're yeah. terrible. <laughs> Every single time, where are you from? Is followed by a description of yeah, where in the where country is located. Yes. <laughs> Sri Lanka, what is that? <laughs> where is that? It's near India. So, India? No, my God. Near India. <laughs> near India. Okay, so we started this conversation by talking about how it began, mm -hmm. which was the Black Panther thing. And I know we're months away from the release of Black Panther, mm -hmm. but what do you feel about that? That idea that yeah, like Black Panther is all about representation and it brought these, you know, black people all over the world together. But at the same time, it really split them apart because you started to see how different it is. I think that was one of the successes of Black Panther because it, 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 it tried to represent the black culture mm -hmm. in its entirety, which a lot of people don't understand that there's a difference between black culture, African-American culture, and African culture. 
Right. So black culture, I would say, encompasses both of those. Mm-hmm. And but there is very stark difference. So if you if you understand like the more of the not the action figure part of the movie, but more of the um, the political, the social part of the movie, you would understand that there is a difference between the two cultures, the African American and the black culture. So you know, Chadwick Boseman, like you know, his personality was more like uh, he was more he, obviously he was representing African culture, which is more like you could you could see like it's more like rituals, more like about uh, respect. It's more about like oh, there, oh, there's a certain way of doing certain things, and um, you know, so they try to portray that into the movie. And then there's also the the story of the African American culture, which which is like okay, a lot of um, well, I can't speak for the African American culture, probably, <laughs> and as would be better at that. But it, from from my perspective, we try to represent, um, you know, the, the the fact that like the African American culture is like like repressed and like you know right. most of them come from like um, like poor areas. Mm-hmm. Most of them come from they they have to make something out of their life from nothing, basically. You know, and and the African culture is more like. In certain sense, like because Black Panther, that's not all Africans. Yeah. In the yeah. sense that they, that was like a royal family. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that there are different, even in the way the the thought process is. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, just what I took away from the movie. Yeah. Was like, so, whereas I mean, Chadwick Boseman was obviously the focal point of the movie, yeah. but for me, the character like uh, Killmonger, Eric Killmonger, stood out more. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, just because his character came from a place where I could completely understand, it was like a place of living in America, being black, and understanding what things were like for black people in America, and then him wanting to gain the power simply to help other black people across the world to get them out of the like struggles and things that they had to deal with every day by giving them the power, and then yeah, just everything that he felt were things that I could understand and sympathize with. A little bit more than I could with that Chadwick Boseman because like yeah I'm not from that part of the whole argument whereas you like yeah you understand it more than I would I would agree with that so what do you guys think about the fact that the protagonist is from Africa and that the the villain I guess even though he becomes less of like a bad guy and more of someone you understand yeah but the villain of the whole movie is african-american what do you take away from that yeah that's an interesting question um i mean i would say for me from my understanding the vilification of the of uh the african-american culture is is also part of the american culture in the sense that like whenever you know people talk about blacks in america it's mm-hmm. all usually related to something negative mm-hmm. yeah. right so it's like oh they're criminals they're dangerous they're like uneducated right. mm-hmm. they don't understand the whole picture they're like you know, egocentric or focus on something. Mm-hmm. That was the persona of, of uh, um, Killmonger. Right. You know, like this guy who wants to get revenge, who's who's pissed, who's mm-hmm. kind of annoyed mm-hmm. to the fact that like, you know, his culture has been ripped from him or that his culture is being misrepresented and he's trying to do something about it. You know, I think that was kind of a very smart depiction of, mm-hmm. of the African-American culture into right. one character. Whereas like the African culture in, in, in the sense was more about, I mean, um, but Chadwick Boseman character was more about nobility, you know, and stuff that I can relate to because, like, in 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 a lot of, I think that what made the movie a strong appeal to Africans was the fact that they were showing the um, 
what we feel as Africans, right? That we, we don't we are not poor all, yeah, all of yeah. us, right? That we all don't like live in slums mm-hmm. and like poverty. Yeah. Like there's a lot of rich people there. There's a lot of rural families, and we have traditions. Um, we have like a lot of stuff that is misrepresented yeah. into the American culture. Mm-hmm. So they 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 were trying yeah. to highlight those two points, which I feel yeah. like. You know, African-Americans feel like that's how they're being repre- uh, represented, and then Africans also feel like that's how they're being represented. Right. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, so I recently took an African-American studies class, and a majority of the kids in that class who were African-American thought the same, that just like Africa was this poor, desolate country where most people have nothing, like live in huts, and yeah, like such primitive things that they still believed were still going on in Africa. And not that, like, yeah, people didn't know that South Africa was as beautiful and, like, advanced as it is and things of that nature. But, so, with the whole Black Panther thing, I feel like the vilification of Eric Killmonger also just fed into, like, the American view of it. Like, oh, the black guy who wants to do better for his community by, like, whatever means he takes up. But just, like, him going to such lengths to do it is wrong. Like he could do it in a different way. Or right. Yeah. He could do it a better way, not just the way that he saw fit. I mean, I feel like in American culture, and this has been proven by history, mm-hmm. anytime people of color, especially black people, protest or challenge the norm, mm-hmm. they're seen as villains. Think about Malcolm X. Yes. Or Martin Luther King. They were, you know, like. Yeah. They were like on the FBI most wanted list. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like in their time, it's only now with you know hindsight that we're like these guys are heroes. Like yeah. that mainstream America looks at them. But even Malcolm X isn't an American hero. Yeah, he's not. Examples of like how American people have like made black people like be like someone who are not at all important enough in their culture as immigrants or like even if they brought them here, you know, it's just like the cultural references or the pop culture references of them are like always negative in a way. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Like in general, not just one movie, but like throughout the spectrum of like events, like, movies, things that are like, you know, in yeah. the media. And I think you kind of spoke to it when we said that people look forward to Black Panther because it would represent your culture and your mm. people in a different light. Mm-hmm. Like, not as victims? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we like, don't feel like that. Like, for me as an African, I never could relate to the fact that... I understand that there's poverty, there's, like, um, you know, uh, uh, income inequalities, a lot of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's the world. <laughs> Have you yeah. been in New York? <laughs> Have you yeah. seen New York? Have you seen Park <laughs> Avenue in Manhattan <clears throat> and Park Avenue in the Bronx? That's the, how the world works. So yeah. we have poverty everywhere. So why is it that Africa is the one that's being depicted as this desolate place? Yeah. That's right. not right, you know? So we also have at times in our history, which, you know, we, we, we thrive and, and we were uh, very, like, successful societies. Mm-hmm. You know, even I personally didn't know that because, like, in our educational system, which is uh, derived from the French, so, like, uh, the books that we learn, all of that, is, is a product made, usually made in France or somewhere else, which is not made by locals in Guinea. So we didn't really see like a clear like, depiction of our own history. For, for me, like one of the eye-opening experiences was um, like last year when I was working on my thesis mm-hmm. and I had to do a lot of research on like African, African culture because I wanted to kind of have a more like holistic approach, a holistic idea of my design. 
Right. And I started learning all these beautiful things about how like West African society were like structured and like how they were, they were like the emperors, like how they would conquer with respect. But all of this were like, <clears throat> sorry, I get emotional when I talk about this oh, topic. It's okay. we, <laughs> yeah, we so it's like, you. yeah, it's like, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of beauty that's being omitted. Like there's so much culture that's being omitted because they want to depict black people a as way, right? a, a certain way as, as losers, as victims, as people who need help. Mm-hmm. You don't need help. You know, like yeah. we, uh, they have, there's, there are smart people there, there are like brave people there, mm-hmm. there are people who can do a lot of things just like anyone else can. Yeah. So the color of your skin does not depict like your Anything level of success. You. Yeah, no. exactly. And, and, and I feel like even us sometimes as Africans or black people in general, we, we do feel victims. Uh, we fall victim of that because like that's how everybody else thinks so a lot of us sometimes we end up like like accidentally picking up those kind of processes and stuff right. like that seeing black people at these yeah. days and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah. I mean we were just talking about it last time but like just the thought of like there are not many people telling stories about like any region that is not western you know mm-hmm. and so there's only one story about like africa or india mm-hmm. or sri lanka mm-hmm. you know and so people only from each place. Yes. so or there's even not a whole know. idea you know yeah. so like it's just like one story of like a poverty like mm-hmm. stricken area of people you know mm-hmm. doing bad things but there's no stories of like oh there are rich people or there are smart people or like mm-hmm. innovations happening everywhere not just yeah. like you know yeah. so like that, that was a idea. beautiful statement Nicole made last podcast, <laughs> when, not the, I think it was episode 5, yeah. when she said, um, oh, was it one of your guests when they said like, um, we, who knew, we don't need to be civilized, why did you come here to think that you yeah. need to civilize us? Yeah, yeah, that was such a beautiful <laughs> statement because that's exactly how we felt. Like, yeah. all of the problems, for example, that Africa is facing right now is because of colonization, yeah. right? You came here and did yeah. this. Yeah, for example... Yeah. My tribe that I come from is called the Malingo tribe, mm-hmm. and it's like it was part of the Mandang Empire in West Africa, which is like at least maybe like five or six countries right now. But because of colonization, they have fragmented them in pieces, and they're like all in different like regions. I'm like, but it's ridiculous, you know. So it's like that's how there's a lot of conflict right now because of the way they. The Europeans or colonizers have come and and, and, and se- separated them. It was a strategy. It was called divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, what they I did. Really talk about they yeah. did it to us. They did yeah. it to us. Yeah, too. exactly. And it's like uh, I read this. Actually, this I forget the name, and I'll find it and put it on Instagram if I find yeah. it. But it's this actual research article mm-hmm. and it was called how britain wrecked the world oh yes i've read oh, that yeah? yes, i've read and that it's just a list a list this comprehensive list oh, of all the places <laughs> that britain has caused racial divides within a country of people that were born in the same place lived in the yep. same place had parents born in the mm. same place grandparents oh my god like back to centuries and centuries and centuries ago fighting amongst yeah. themselves mm-hmm. because that's what the british did i mean we have a whole country india and pakistan were like a one country yeah. until the british when they left they created this divide like caused a lot of insecurities and yeah. like you know basically just like said that each we each were like against each other and yeah. so there are two countries now where we're still fighting yeah. like Still today, and we are still fighting since like 1947. And everyone looks the same. Yeah. Everyone speaks the yeah. same exactly. But like, do you feel the remnants of that within your culture too? Uh, yeah, in America? Like, without a doubt. Like, I think so. It definitely stems back to slavery and the 
like slave masters wanting to have the fair skins mm-hmm. in the house and yeah. then if you were uh, of a darker skin like you're outside and then that just carried on throughout history like fair skin was beautiful darker skin was just like ugly barbaric just uh, just undesirable mm-hmm. yeah. so then yeah then like even today it'll spark like things on the internet like light skin versus dark skin right. things like that yeah so i think it's still prevalent today yeah. Did you face any of that, or? I mean, I definitely stayed out of it myself. But like, <laughs> people around me would always yeah. be like, "Oh, you're definitely not as good looking because you're dark skin." Yeah, and then like having a mom who's darker was like, obviously, I definitely don't feel that way. Like, my mom's beautiful. Wow. So no, stop! Like, yeah. Stop! I'm gonna cry. Yeah, like, don't I? bring your mom into this. <laughs> yeah. So just like yeah, it's having. Emotional. True. Just it's to have true. people who I would say look like me or the same as me uh-huh. say something like, oh, that person there isn't as good because they're this color, but okay. you're better because you're this color. But that's like, that goes back to this divide and conquer uh-huh. thing too, yeah, exactly. right? Like as long as we're still fighting against each other, yeah. we can never move upwards, you know? That's the thing, and they still use that. I remember last time when I was talking about neocolonialism, uh-huh. and that's what's happening right now is because they're always trying to figure out a little thing that you know can cause problems so right now they're using the fact that there's different ethnic groups in countries to create problems you know so um it's always like i think it's more incumbent upon us who are victims quote-unquote victims of this situation to realize who we are accept who we are and figure out how we can come together and move forward Mm -hmm. so because at the end of the day like you know change if we are about to change that change can only come from us you know they can like i don't know there's a quote i can't remember exactly how it goes but it's something like you know nobody can do you any you any harm if if um if you don't let them like from deep inside you or something like that it's not an exact quote that's actually so important that you just said that because i think that a lot of people of color think that they have no power Mm -hmm. very true within themselves very true so like there's this idea that like, oh, I'm just an immigrant, I'm just, you know, I'm just black, I'm just brown, I'm just, like, I'm like, I don't have any voice in this country yeah. to actually stand up and say something, but you do. And, and that's like, the most beautiful thing, is that we have to give props to black women, because they are legends. Mm-hmm. They are right now, they understood that principle, and they are running with it. Uh-huh. Like right now, they are the most educated group in America. They're the most successful group in America. Uh-huh. It's because they have understood that they have the power to move forward. They have the power to choose yes. their own destiny. Exactly. You know, so that's something that they have really used in a way that is, is I mean, it's working for them. <laughs> and <laughs> and remember know? that time. But ironically, black women are still the most underpaid group. Oh yes. Even yeah. though they're, mm-hmm. they're the most edu- educated. Yeah. Like we talk about like women and men having the same you know, yeah. monetary value when it comes mm-hmm. to jobs, yeah. but that's, even within, that's like not yeah. even a, a factor anymore, because yeah. when you break it down by race, yeah, it's worse. like, it's worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true, it's true. I mean, um, yeah, even like women in just general area, like every race, like Latino women, Indian women, Sri Lankan women, like it doesn't matter, like it just like goes down with like what color you are. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that black women have always been at the bottom. Yeah. Always. I mean, that's something that I, I mean, there's a debate about that a little bit, because from my culture, yeah. women are very, very well, like, not positioned, but like, in the society was before, they, um, 
I don't know. They, they have a lot of they're being really respected. They are they yeah. own a lot of respect in the society in their by their standing. Uh-huh. The biggest mud brick structure in uh-huh. the world was financed by a, a black um, tradesman. It's because like in, in in the West African culture, for example, in my uh-huh. culture, um, you know, not even I feel like the modern trend of women uh-huh. being represented in society has affected Africans more than it has affected other cultures. I mean, not just African. Why do you say that? It's because, like, right now, a lot of African men use that, oh, men are superior status and all that, yeah. to kind of, like, take things that they wouldn't even dare to do before, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, we had empresses before, we had, like, uh, queens before in West African culture, mm-hmm. yeah. and when the whites came, they thought that, oh, no, these people are barbaric, like, you know, they mm-hmm. mistreat their women, the women do these... It's just, the society was divided in a way that everybody was proud of the position that they were holding. Women were not like banned from holding office, they weren't banned from like getting money, they weren't banned from moving up the scale in society. Even now, like in, in, in Conakry, for example, if you go to the markets, you see these women, they're the one who go out to find money and then afterwards they go home, they take care of the children, take care of the husband. Yeah. The husband is there doing nothing. And that's completely the opposite of how Western society thinks of women, yeah. of being these helpless uh, people that just like follow men around. But no, these women are the brave ones because they are the ones who's taking initiative, they are the ones supporting the family, they are the ones supporting the economy there, mm-hmm. you know? So like there's some kind of discrepancies in that, you know, like in, in, in the modern society then that they're not being represented in the government and all that. But it wasn't like that before. You know, yeah. and I feel like the, the the trend before now where the women are gaining more rights and stuff yeah. like that had had happened it, in Africa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this is what I'm interested in because I hear you say over and over again in yeah. my culture, in West African culture. Yeah. yeah. So legally, you're American because you were born here, right? Yes. But do you view yourself as American? No. <laughs> culturally, I'm not American. Oh, you're not. Yeah. I'm not an American culture because yeah. I have I wasn't exposed to the American culture like that. You know, I don't value the Amer- like uh, like uh, a lot of the things the American people, the American culture values. Like so the what? way of thinking, like uh, I, I don't know, like. Uh, because let me say why. Yeah. I'm interested in knowing. Yeah. Like what the difference is okay. between like Nazir's culture. And yeah. Nazir's. From my perspective, for example, I know that like African culture is is very geared towards um like not saying that African Americans are not respectful, <laughs> but like <laughs> like African culture is like you know respect is very it's very it's humongously important. So like you cannot, for example, go and be like, um, um, like if you wake up in the morning, like everybody you see, you have to say hi to them. If you don't, it's considered very disrespectful. Like you cannot go eat and like if you're sitting on the table, for example, you don't you, you don't touch the food first. Yeah. Your dad does first, and then or either your dad or mom or one of them do first before the kids do. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of small things. I don't know what else I can say. Listen. So what? What do Africans think of America first, and then Black America, and then of your answer? <laughs> I answered that too, but vice versa. Yeah. Okay, okay. You wanna go first? They're <laughs> okay, killing my first. brain cells. <laughs> so, alright. So, yeah, I mean, so going back to what I said about my class, like, I, we don't know 
or I feel that we don't know much about Africa in my community. Like, it's not something that's really talked about because it's the past. And, like, that's where we're from, but that's not where we're at. So it's not important anymore, it seems. So it's more of a, like, yeah, we're here now. Let's talk about what's happening here. And that's only recently before. Before it was just, like, keep your head down and just live here. Yeah. But only recently has it become an argument like, okay, we're here, let's talk about what's happened while we're here. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, due to that, I'm starting to learn more about Africa, and just because now having to, having to go back to the past to understand, like you have to at some point go back to Africa. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just a lot of ignorance towards Africa, like not understanding what goes on there. Mm-hmm. I could name probably like five countries in Africa right now, top of my head. <laughs> and like, yeah, but there's... Are well over five. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, I have a question for you. But do you think in that process of like going back and learning more about your like the African heritage that you have, does that help you personally like grow as a human being, as a person? I mean, yeah, definitely. So there was. So I mean, all right. So African culture has been prevalent throughout my life since I was a kid, but now learning more about it just makes other things make sense makes everything like yeah it just makes everything come full circle it shows me where i'm from and why things are like this like because i feel like in history you learn things like i learned why other people are the way they are and why they're why the things their family does why they do it but never had the chance to learn it until now like now i know why my culture is the way it is like why we do certain things so yeah so i have a question so do you think until now since you started learning about this African culture, your cultural background, your heritage was authentic when you looked at it, or you were looking at a perspective that was formed by Americans in a way that have been here? So I think it's it's a little bit of both. Like, there are some things that I think do still show through. It's like... Like what? Like, uh, just the natural love for your family. I think that's something that stayed, like, I've, like, I... I have friends and stuff who are nowhere near as close with their family members. Like I have cousins that I call to this day, my brothers, like we're just that close. I'm like, we've grown up together. And yeah, that that like family love and everything. And then there's aspects like, I feel like that are American, just like the American values placed in me, such as like, trying to think. Yeah, my like greed and just like wanting things. I feel like I've wanted way more than I've learned other people wanted. Yeah. And yeah. Do you feel like if you went to Africa that Africans would understand you? Or would you be viewed as an outsider? So like that's why I asked you Karoma and mm-hmm. then you deflected the question. <laughs> I didn't I didn't what? deflect the question. I think I think yes. It would you would be viewed very differently in the sense that like I mean it's not just the fact that you're coming from America is the persona that you have. You know, like, y- your, you as a human being, the summary of your life is all of those years, all of those experiences you've been exposed to. Right. So that defines who you are as a human being. And that's going to be different from you who's been here, living here, and not having been directly exposed to African culture, and then go there, you will be... Uh, perceive differently the same way as even let, let me not even go that far even people who live in guinea themselves right yeah. 
they have people who live in in remote areas whenever they come to the city like they are already perceived as being different because of their features and stuff like that you know so the demeanor the way you would talk the way you would address people like yeah. you know the the, the the little things that like mannerisms yeah. that you know we for example might value that um, African Americans might not value mm. so like those little things would make you feel like um, an outsider and I can take an example of um, one of my uncles he came on vacation to Guinea one day and then he had his do-rag on <laughs> and then he had his like how do you call this um, like the jersey because he loves sports the guy is obsessed with sports okay and we only know soccer so <laughs> that's all we know but he would he would have like um, basketball jerseys football jerseys baseball jerseys and that's how he is in his house yeah. he has a TV an iPad and his phone his wife is always complaining why do you have all three of them on I have to follow the three sports yeah. so that's how it is but so when he came to Guinea he was like that also so he yeah. was like talking about football and all of this and people were like huh what are you saying you don't know what you're saying so it's like you know those little things you know which is part of who you are as a human being yeah. and I'm not saying this in a way that saying oh like African Americans are bad because they do not they didn't learn enough about their culture. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I feel like whoever you are as a human being is a summary of your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you should you should be the best version of that and try to fit into another culture. You know? Aww. So like yeah, I know. You know, they they there like might be a lot of yeah. There might be a lot of different happy <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean emotions are good. <laughs> I mean so I have a question. So in India, so like if I go back to India now, like yeah. I'll be considered an NRI, which is non-resident Indian, but okay. also, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But that means you come with the status of like living in another Western country which and coming. Which is better. Yeah. So which is considered like, better. Which, yeah. yeah, so would that be with Nazir if he came to Africa? Would he be thought of as someone who's like this better off person or would he be considered completely different in general? Like not accepted A thousand percent, yes. Like better? Better? Mm -hmm. Yes, because that's one thing that I really hate about African culture now, mm -hmm. which I think the stigma that's left from all of the oppression that we've we've um, we've, we've we've been through. Mm -hmm. A lot of us feel like we're not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever somebody comes from another country, like that's being valued, like the United States, mm -hmm. oh, it's the biggest country in the world, yeah. or France, a developed nation, or like, yeah. or, or well especially western cultures yeah. not eastern cultures in that sense yep. but usually western yeah. cultures they tend to be more respected more valued they tend to be you know classified as being more smart and stuff like yeah. that which i don't agree with completely yeah. but you know there is that presence of the fact that they come from a superior culture mm -hmm. so they must be superior than us in some ways yeah. so there's that way of so even people who go to school like right there are people who in guinea who go to school completely like from from kindergarten all the way to college and they would get post-graduation, post-college uh, mm -hmm. degrees and all that. And then they would they would apply for a job and a person who maybe just had his bachelor's in the US or France has a thousand chance of getting the job more than he does. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's yeah, so that's a representation of how the African culture is, is that I don't think we've matured to come to the level where we, we accept what we have mm -hmm. to that degree and yeah. we still accept um, what other people have, like especially the Western, especially the colonizers. I mean, yeah, it's the same in India. It's just the same in Sri Lanka. Exactly. Yeah. No, I feel like all the places that have been colonized, yeah. they feel the same way because they don't value themselves enough mm -hmm. as much as they value a culture that is Western because yeah. they were the 
people being oppressed, you yes. know. So like all self-esteem that was there has gone out of the window, mm-hmm. and now all they can think of is like, if I come to this country, I'll have much better chances than I than you would in my own country. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason I mean, why we're thousands. all here. Yeah. yeah. We're all here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our parents have valued this country yeah. enough to bring us here, you know. Yeah, yeah and we haven't left. We haven't left. So <laughs> physically, I couldn't. I'm leave. leaving. Uh, physically, I couldn't until now, but yeah. yeah. But so okay, so talking about that, have you ever thought of, or like, have you, your parents ever thought of the American dream, like, like the concept of it, like that you can get success if you live here, or like, if it enough hard work and some luck, this country could bring you success in a way. Yeah, definitely. I think I grew up with like my dad preaching, like, but not what it was at the core, like the initial American dream, just like family, house, mm-hmm. kids. It was just like. And just making it in some way, whether it be your own way, yeah. the stereotypical sense of making it like successful, have money, power, just in some way, and like just form, just making it in America. So that was what I was taught to strive for growing up, was just to achieve something in some way. And has it changed since you grew up? <laughs> no, not really. I'd, yeah, I think it's become more of a broader sense of it, just doing what you want to do and getting to a point in your life where you are comfortable, but not like a, yeah. Karoma, for you, did you feel that once you came to America, you had to kind of re-look at your cultural self? As in, because, like, if we pick you and Nazir, we're both sitting in this, all four of us are sitting yep. in this bar, mm-hmm. and people don't or first glance gonna see me and Hinali and be like both probably from India (laughs) (laughs) and then make their assumptions about you two and assume that you guys have the same background the same blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. even though as per this conversation you couldn't be more different in where you come from Mm -hmm. do you feel like you had to look like I don't know. How do you deal with that? I don't even know what my I question just, is because how do you deal with that? I mean, there's no, for me, there's no dealing with it. For me, it's just embrace who you are. You know, like I came with a different culture. I do understand that it's different from the culture I'm going in, right? Mm-hmm. So I never agree with this idea of, oh, you have to fit in. You know, right. that society always try to make everybody fit in. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to fit in? Be who you are. So, like, for me, is that I came with that package of my culture, like, the things that I value from Guinea, you know. So, whatever I, I can express it, is I will express it in, in a way. And it's not a bad thing um, knowing about different cultures. I mean, for me personally, I love learning about cultures, you know. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't say that just to say that um, I want to I hear about the bad side, the good side of your culture. No, I want to hear about your culture in its entirety. You know, because we have a lot of things that are good in all cultures, and we have a lot of things that are bad in all cultures. I know there are things in my culture that are terrible that I don't agree with, you know? So, like, but the idea of you being, letting yourself be exposed to other cultures and and, and accepting people for who they are, and then, um, but at the same time, remaining you also who you are, you know? So, like, it's kind of a hard balance to do, but for me, I just, I just try to, like, I I am who I am. Like, my culture is very valuable to me, and I don't, I don't go around. Oh, this is my culture. You got. I'm gonna shove yeah. it down your throat. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. You just be who you are, and then your culture. You know, whatever you feel like doing. You know, just do that. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like. I feel like I had a different experience with it, just because growing up 
here and then being so young and wanting to fit in mm -hmm. it was like a, I changed so many things about myself like things that I'd eat in public things that oh, trust me. just things that people <laughs> wouldn't even understand and then but there so with being african-american there are like so in the south there are people who do understand parts of my culture that people up north don't such as like southern food so like I grew up eating grits and yeah, if I like I'd eat that in front of people. Why are you laughing? I love Explain grits. <laughs> They're amazing. Okay. But yeah, growing up up north and not as many people knowing about them originally. Like now they're really popular for some reason. But people like eating them and people being like, "What's that?" Like, yeah. Like, that just that looks weird. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's like so things like that. And then growing up, and then yeah, so being so young and just wanting to fit in at first. So changing the way I speak, things that I spoke about, things that I watched, things that I wanted to like. I don't even like music videos that much. And I remember at one point strictly watching MTV so I could go to school and talk about the latest music videos. Oh my, oh my God. For bands so, that I didn't so like. American. Yeah. yeah. For, for just so many things that I didn't like and just wanted to be able to talk about because everyone else was talking about them. Right. That's, yeah. that's true. And for me too, I can relate to that. You know, it was hard for me because like, you know, I, I, I don't... It's the same thing. I don't. I don't care about those music videos. Yeah, exactly. like, you know, like there are other things that I care more about that I'm like I'm more passionate about. Mm -hmm. But like, it's sometimes, it, it, and that's why I like New York because you know you can find people that share the things that you really care about. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you can just be sitting there and people talking about this album and, and all of the lyrics. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but how is that interesting to me? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, can you just talk about other stuff that are actually interesting? You know, so yeah. like. I tried it, you know, like I would go and I would listen. I'm like, oh my God, my brain is going to pop. I can't do this. Like, why? So just I can talk about No. So it's yeah. like, in that sense, it's hard. It's really hard because sometimes it pushes you to be like. Not you. Yeah, not you because you, you want to you wanna fit in, mm -hmm. you know, because you're, you're trying to like understand the culture yeah. and like, you know, but it's kind of, it's, it's hard and mm. it's very hard. To, it's a very slippery slope. Um, so I don't know if you guys watched the show, but like we talked about it, like Fresh of the Boat, and so this one character, he's like in middle school or like in high school. His name is Eddie. He's like Asian American, and he only likes black culture. Like, yeah, like what? Yeah, yeah, no, what? that's yeah. He listens to hip hop and yeah. wears like. So like him trying to be this person who he's completely not. Hmm. So like, what do you? Just think about like people trying to represent your culture, but they're but not they from your culture. Aren't. Yeah. And also, what do you think about people being like, like kind of being black for the coolness of it, but yeah. also not actually sticking with the struggle of being black? Also, like, not cool. knowing what that is at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are like you wearing America? Red yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But, right, but that's that's the point. That's the, that's the whole debate today in America is people appropriating black culture yeah. and not respecting the other side, the ugly side, you could say, of black culture. The fact that it's poverty, the fact that it's mass mm -hmm. incarceration, the right. fact that they want to go to good schools. You know, mm -hmm. those are things black culture also is about. You yeah. know, but it's not just about the music that everybody likes. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that is America. Yeah, I feel like it's. I think I'm okay with people wanting to emulate the culture. Just like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm glad to be black. Like, how unlucky for you that you aren't. But <laughs> just, I think there's a point where if you aren't aware of what you're doing and what the people that you are trying to be like go through, 
that that's when there's a problem. Like if you if you like to listen to rap and, and say the yeah, N-word. Yes, oh my yeah. God. And like if Don't you want kids in my town. And you want gold teeth and whatnot. Like yeah, that that those are the coolest things ever. <laughs> but <laughs> if you aren't aware and just appreciative of what you have and acknowledge the fact that these people do go through their own problems, then that's when you're wrong. But otherwise, yeah, I, I think I'm okay with it, with people doing it. Yeah, like, we talked about a lot, I know. <laughs> but do you feel like, I don't know, like, okay, now so you say that you wanted to visit Africa at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And why do you want to do that? So just to understand where the people before me came from. Because I won't say that I'm from there, but the people who made me where I'm from are from there. So it'd be nice to understand the whole history as opposed to... Or just seeing... Do you feel a certain like want or longing for a part of your identity that isn't really your identity, but is because, you, you know, you're... You're here, but the circumstances of how your ancestors got here wasn't like they wanted to come here. Yeah. yeah. So no, I don't. I don't think it's that. Like I think my identity itself is complete. It's yeah. just the wanting to understand the history of my identity, like why I'm able to be that way, where they're from, that came here, and went through everything they went to through, that led to me being able to be who I am. I don't know, like, what's the whole, like, what is the African view on that, that thought, that there are so many African Americans that dream of coming to Africa to, and not just now, for as long as there have been, you know, African Americans in America, (laughs) dreaming of coming back to Africa in some sort of way. I mean, I I think that is good. Like, because originally, like you said, that's where your ancestors came from. So regardless, there is some part of your personality that's rooted in that, you know. And I think for us blacks, it's it's a general positive if there's more of that happening. Because that would encourage um, the to, to bridge the gap that there is of saying Africans versus African Americans. At the end of the day, we're all from the same place. At the end of the day, we have, there's a lot of stuff that we still share. So at the end of the day, it all comes down to like us coming together and, and respecting each other and respecting each other's culture, you know? And th- there was a little glimpse of that in the movie, in Black Panther. Um, Chadwick and, and Killmonger were talking both. Oh, right the, at the end. Right at the end. Yeah, that's the best part of the Exactly, movie. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all about that. It's all about finding that compromise and finding that middle ground. You know? Okay. So that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for being here. Thank you this so, much. so much. Fun. And thank yeah, you for sharing. This is great, yeah. I'm so emotional. I want to cry. I want to cry. <laughs> you guys are amazing. I know. I feel like this I learned so, good. so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, was, it was a good conversation. For and sure. listen, for everyone listening, if you have more to add to this story, please, please, please share with us. Yeah, or like at Karoma and Nazir, because it's yes. their fault if we miss something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to see you next time. Yes, same time, different place. Different place. See ya. This is Hanali. This is Nicole. And this is 12 Ounces. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
Maybe we can still heal you. Why? So you can just lock me up? No, no. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage.